Welcome to The Balance. I'm Catlin Tucker, and this is the first Ask Catlin episode. I get a lot of questions on social media and when I'm working with teachers in training or at events, and so I thought this would be the perfect place to answer some of your questions about education and teaching and blended learning. So I've brought Chris back, who joined me for the Chat GPT episode, since it's always nice to have somebody to chat with when I'm actually answering questions. So he's going to He's going to share the questions with me. I will answer them. And at the end of the episode, I've told Chris to surprise me with a question I'm not expecting that cannot be education related. So stick around for that surprise question um, because I'll be answering that too. Thanks for having me, Catlin. Thank you for being here. All right. Getting into the first question. And it's a bit of a softball. (laughs) Which is better, online or offline learning? So I did get this question and I had no idea how to start. I think sometimes people think because I am a blended learning expert that I love technology and I must definitely think online learning is more valuable or better in some way. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I really value online and offline learning. And for me, the reason I'm so excited about blended learning is because we are able to bring the best of both of those worlds together for students. So when we talk about online learning, there are definite affordances when we work online that are really wonderful for learners. They have more control over the information they're engaging with. So as a learner, I can expand a text, making the size bigger. I can pause, rewind, rewatch a video, or re-listen to a podcast. So I have more control over the pace at which I consume and process information, which is a huge benefit of online learning. Offline learning is equally powerful because I get to be connected with, hopefully, a community of my peers with whom I can engage in tasks. So I can have some tactile learning experiences, some experiential learning experiences, some social learning experiences. So for me, there's real value in both the online experience and what kids can do in terms of controlling the ways in which they engage with information and control the pace at which they go through that information or tackle particular tasks. But it's that offline learning where they get to test their ideas against the learning community, chatting with their peers, engaging in collaborative tasks, really getting their hands on learning. So for me, there isn't like one is better than the other. It's really about let's take the best parts of online learning and the best parts of offline learning. Let's weave them together to create the most wonderful experience we can for students. All right, Chris, what's the next question? All right, we're going to get a little harder now. (laughs) When you are deciding whether to integrate technology into a lesson, what questions do you consider? Ooh, this is a good question. So I'm actually going to draw on the incredible work of Paul France, who I had on my podcast a few years ago, and he really identified four questions I thought were fabulous for teachers who are going to integrate technology. The first thing he said is, does this technology minimize complexity? So we don't want to throw tech into the mix if it actually makes the task we're asking students to do harder. Paul made the point that the reason we carry around our phones everywhere is because it really does make parts of life easier, whether it's navigation or looking things up. And so it aids us and we want technology to really enhance the learning. The second question that he was encouraging educators to ask was, 
does technology really allow students to fulfill their potential? And I think when we use technology to position learners at the center of the learning experience, we give them meaningful choices, we allow them to control the pace of their learning and their progress, then it absolutely can enhance their potential and their power as learners. The Third is, does technology allow students to do something they couldn't have done before technology, which is a really exciting new world in education, which is kids can create things they weren't able to create before to demonstrate their learning. And so how do we harness technology to allow them to do that? And finally, and maybe my favorite question that Paul encouraged educators to ask was about whether technology is really bringing people together and enhancing connection which I think is so important for us all to be thinking about. Because as a coach and a professional learning facilitator, I work with a lot of teachers who use technology, but often it isolates learners. They are sitting on their own. They're working through you know, personalized practice with adaptive software, they're watching a video, and they're not connecting with other students. And so how are we using this technology to help students give every student a voice, allow them to collaborate together, to tackle kind of messy problems and use each other as resources? So for me, Paul France, who I'm a big fan of, really said it best when he, he encouraged teachers and even coaches to consider those four questions when using technology. All right, Kathleen, you ready for the next question? Yep. All right. Our next question is, how can we use technology to support community building? Hmm. Well, this is a perfect transition from Paul Francis' final question about whether technology is connecting learners and enhancing your learning community. And I would say one one of my favorite ways to engage kids online is online discussions. And I'm biased because this is where my blended learning journey kind of started way back when is I engaged my high school students in conversations online. And I was such a huge advocate for online learning because it really does give every single member of the class community a voice in that academic dialogue where they get to make meaning together, learn with and from each other, which is so powerful. But way back when, you had to have keyboarding skills to really get students to engage in academic discourse online. And so for students in elementary school, online discussions weren't really an option for a lot of teachers. But now we have a platform like Flip, where even young learners who don't have keyboarding skills can share their ideas and engage with each other using video recordings, which I think is very exciting. I also would love to see teachers using collaborative suites like Google and Microsoft to really focus on making that human connection among the members of their class, allowing students to engage online to problem solve, to do jigsaw activities, or even kind of building up their own background and researching topics together and pulling what they're finding together and having conversations and producing things to share what they're learning. So for me, I don't want technology to simply isolate learners. I really do want it to bring them together and build that community. So those quiet kids who in a traditional classroom 
rarely speak up and maybe don't engage very much in those group work or those group assignments, they have these opportunities to engage online in a way that feels comfortable, gives them time to process, and lowers that anxiety of kind of jumping into conversations or group work and allows them to be really valuable participants. I think that's such a great point because even in my work in graphic design and working in the corporate world, we also have people in our office environment who are you know, seem to communicate better over Slack and email. And a lot of times in my own work, when I do brainstorms, you know, you get a lot of people who can kind of command the room mm-hmm. or you'll have executives who have very strong opinions and, <laughs> and technology has been fabulous, you know, using things like Mural to do a virtual brainstorm and really create an environment where people who might not have always had the loudest voice can really be able to share their opinions in a way that they feel comfortable with. No, absolutely. There are so many tools. So in the ed space, a lot of teachers will use Padlet to get students doing brainstorming activities, or they might use the the discussion functionality inside of their learning management system. And like I said, Flip has been great for getting students engaged in video-based discussions. And what's fascinating is you kind of override the traditional experience in classrooms where it's those handful of discussion dominators who have a million things they want to say and the rest of the class is pretty quiet. So it's about using technology kind of to like equal the playing field. So everybody has that opportunity to have their voice heard, as you said, in a way that's comfortable for them. All right, Chris, what's our last question? All right. Our last question before our surprise question, (laughs) just to be clear, is What technology tools are your favorite? Well, I want to start my answer by saying I don't think teachers need, even blended learning teachers, need a bunch of technology tools to be effective engaging students in the online environment. My preference is actually the tools that tend to be the most versatile. So I really don't know how I would teach without Google's collaborative suite because it is just so incredibly helpful at disseminating assignments, getting kids collaborating around shared tasks, collecting those assignments. So for me, Google Suite is hands down essential teaching tool technology for me. I've never been in a district that has used Microsoft, so I'm sure there are people listening who love Microsoft's collaborative suite. Great. I just think a collaborative suite is so incredibly helpful. And I love tools like Padlet and Jamboard so students can engage in brainstorming, answer questions online. And I think tools like Flip, which I've already mentioned, are great too. I like the potential and possibilities around using video, especially when it's video in a shared space where other students can watch each other's videos, respond to them. So it's great for a video-based discussion. It's wonderful for students reflecting on an assignment or a lesson or even providing a verbal overview of a project they did in class. I've used it in all those ways. And so for me, it's not the number of tools. It's how are we using the tools we have and are those tools really versatile so we can use them for a lot of different learning objectives and desired outcomes. All right. Now it's time for the secret question. And while I might be starting out with a little bit of a softball in our first episode together, you know, it's my hope that it'll give me an opportunity for you all to kind of learn a little more about Catlin and maybe, you know, make her a little uncomfortable. Oh, wow. Maybe even embarrass her a little bit. So here's your first secret question, the softball. If you could travel anywhere in the world, 
where would you go? Oh my gosh, I want to go so many different places. I would go to Argentina. I live in California. Argentina is clearly on the opposite side of the equator. And most of my breaks as a teacher align with the winter down there. And so I've never been, but I have heard incredible things. I would love to take my kids there. Both of my kids are bilingual. They speak Spanish fluently. And so I have this dream that we'll go to Argentina and they will just be my perfect little translators and I will get to try amazing food and listen to wonderful music and hang out with my two kids there. So that's our Ask Catlin episode. I would love for you to send me your questions. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, anything you're curious about, education-related, teaching, work-life balance, blended learning, online learning, you send them my way, and I will make sure to answer them in a future episode of an Ask Catlin. 